Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Lockton and with me as always is my co-host Al. Say hello Al. Hello Al. I hate you. Oh, um, I love Al, you. I was... <laughs> How you doing Jamie? I love you too. Uh, I was, uh, because I'm a narcissist, re-listening to our podcast recently mm. and I think I say that intro identically every single Jamie, time. Like, every micro-pause, every intonation is exactly the same. That is the sign of a true professional. Mm. Is someone who every time can come in and just wham, give it. Nail it. Come hell or high water. And I, I think you should be proud. Mm, yeah, they call um, me one take Jake. Is... I don't know why they call me Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jamie, I, I have to confess something. Okay. I've been guilt-ridden all week. Okay. And uh, so I, I, I wish to uh, read an apology letter. You need to repent. Yes, uh, okay. for my sins. So it's, it's an apology letter to Jamie Loxton. Okay. Dear Jamie. Hi. Last week, I was cruel. <laughs> I was mean. When you were trying to make a point, to make a little joke, I cruelly looked to get a cheap laugh, to shout over <laughs> you, until you gave up over listening to you as a friend. Yes, the point you were making may have been long-winded, but I shall from here on out endeavour to be a better partner to you in every way possible. Yours, Al Gillespie. Don't like you using the word partner, to be honest. It's not that we're partners. <laughs> Business associates, I like to refer to us as. We're, um, we've met once or twice, <laughs> just in front of a podcast. Yeah. Like. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Al. Um. Am I forgiven? <laughs> No, but it's fine. You didn't need forgiveness. I found it funny. Don't worry. Oh. I'm also wary of us constantly referring to previous episodes for content. I mean, guys, if you like this episode, make sure you check all our episodes <laughs> out, please. Um, right, so let's uh, jump straight into this, because this has been an episode we've uh, built up to for quite a while. Uh, today we are reviewing uh, Tom Hanks's TV movie, uh, mazes and monsters. Uh, as always, we're going to do a bit of historical context and uh, then a bit of show context. Uh, now, Al, every week you have—I've done historical context. You have slated me. You have insulted my choices of information. Uh, yeah. You have criticised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've claimed I was lying about facts. I mean, um, some of this historical <laughs> context has been questionable at best. Let's be honest here. We've been fact-checked at least twice. <laughs> True. But either way, it is now your turn to do historical context. Okay, so, no pressure. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm changing things up a little bit. Why? Because I'm the bad boy of podcasting. That's right. So when I give you historical context, I want to give you something useful to <laughs> Wow! Wow! Rude! As much Rude. as what was the number one single at this time, great. Um, so, look, let, let's start off with the kind of the usual crap. Uh, a fun fact. A fun fact. Uh, about December 1982. Yeah, this was uh, it was quite near the end of the year. I can't remember the day, but like now, late in December. This is partly because as, yeah, it's late in the year. Not much happens really in December. Look, and I had to look, go through all of get, November Jamie, 1982. Jamie, if you want to know that in December 1982, China passed one billion people living there was the first country to pass one billion. Look, I that's an interesting that. fact. Well, I just gave it to you. <laughs> but if you want a better fact, 
Here's the best facts, and this is why we're moving on, because nothing is going to top this. Okay. In December 1982, in a little bakery in Verona, ciabatta bread was invented by Arnaldo Cavallari. And I did not know ciabatta bread wasn't hundreds of years yeah, old. Yeah, no, that's, that's way too I big I assumed it was hundreds of years old. Yeah, because it's no. bread. Yeah, bread's just always been here, right? <laughs> there was innovations in bread 30 yeah, years ago. Yeah. So, um... So what, what are you giving us instead? So what What's I'm giving you instead is a little bit of context into the, kind of the history of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So I know you're going to kind of touch on stuff more relevant, uh, precisely to the uh, TV movie we're watching, obviously. But I'm going to give a little bit of a wider context. So okay. Dungeons and Dragons comes out of this thing uh, called wargaming, which is a little bit like if chess was done with historical battle pieces. So as people kind of either on boards or sometimes uh, not so much in real life, but kind of reenacting these battles with these little pieces. Um, and that obviously kind of later in life on the other end of things gives birth to things like Warhammer and like that kind of stuff, which you may have done uh, if you were cool like me, age 10. <laughs> um, but on the other side of things, it creates uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So out of that... People will be doing that. They think, okay, well, can we not come up with some cooler or funner um, situations for it? Um, which is kind of where Dave Arneson comes from. So uh, Dave is Good kind old of Dave. Yeah, Dave had kind of sort of been playing with this other guy called Dave Wesley. Who <laughs> Dave Wesley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, right, Dave. Dave and Dave meeting up, playing uh, a bit of D and D. Is that what they called it? D and D. It was originally called they, Dave and yeah, Dave. Yeah, yeah. They started a podcast uh, called Two Daves, and it was great. Um, so they, they, they kind of start with these kind of uh, weird situations. Dave Wesley goes off to the army. Um, he's kind of caught up with the reserves, and Arneson, while he's kind of doing this. Um, creates the basis for what becomes Warhammer. So before that, you have this guy called Gary Gygax who had created this rule system, uh, I believe for a game called Chainmail, um, and that was used as his basis, uh, kind of rules-wise, because of the basic uh, elements of Dungeons & Dragons. And Arneson kind of builds on that. He creates stuff like character progression, classes, all that kind of stuff, is what Arneson puts into the game. And then it gets bigger and bigger. He gets in contact with Gary Gygax, who's the guy who created the original rule system. And together they kind of play test uh, Dungeons and Dragons or what it becomes for the first generation. I'm now realising I don't think we actually mentioned that this movie is based off Dungeons and Dragons. No, at, Would at you Now, 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 now. Do you trust our, our audience to assume from context that because we're giving this much information, the movie is kind of about Dungeons and Dragons? Because we did not explicitly no, say uh, So how intelligent uh, this, do you think our audience uh, is, Al? I think very interesting. Uh, very. And also, they'll understand more when we give the show explanation. <laughs> but yeah, so for your context... Uh, uh, for your information, uh, if you haven't watched it, maybe you know, listen along, watch some episodes with us. Watch along. Um, it's about uh, let's just kind of give the broadest possible uh, summary. Uh, four friends play Dungeons and Dragons in college. No, they play Mazes and Monsters, Mazes and Monsters. which is totally, totally different, different and, and not copyrighted. Um, anyway, carry on with your Dungeons yeah, 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 and Dragons history. Yeah. So this kind of happens. Uh, they start playtesting. Eventually, kind of kicks off a bit. I guess goes, we need to get this published now. They're, they're working in different parts of the United States, so they aren't close together. They're kind of doing this over the phone almost. And Guy Gats goes, we've got to start it. Um, and uh, Arneson hasn't got a cash, and he's like, well, I can't really, I, I can't really do that. But they, they get some money from somewhere, and they publish the first edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and it becomes really successful. So right, what year is this? That's all in the 70s, right? Okay. So, um, and actually, by the time you get to this, Arneson's left the company. So uh, I was watching for your kind of stuff because I wasn't sure what the line was originally. 
um, a bit of a sixty minutes episode where they um, talk about Dungeons and Dragons for the kind of crisis thing. But it's interesting how at this point, by the time of nineteen eighty two, Dungeons and Dragons is making about thirty million dollars a year, which is a lot of money. Especially in 80s money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so much cocaine. That's, that's uh, wow. <laughs> so, interestingly, like, Arneson leaves, they start the company up, it's called TSR. Gygax is working for there. Arneson joins for two years. He joins in 94, but he leaves in 96. He doesn't really seem to enjoy working there. He retains rights to the title Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so actually they start publishing uh, all the kind of editions and stuff later on. They start calling Advanced Dungeons and Dragons ah. because then they wouldn't have to pay him the lawsuit. Uh, they, they wouldn't have to pay him uh, royalties. Uh, royalties. And actually they end up having to continue paying him royalties up until Wizards of the Coast purchased the company and purchased the game. And then they're like, here's a lump sum of cash. Can we not we don't get you royalties Be a anymore. dick. <laughs> and in doing so, they then get rid of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and just bring it back into one line of things. Um, which is interesting, but um, basically, by the time of nineteen eighty four, so slightly after this, uh, the company almost goes bankrupt. Which I was like, "What?" And actually, it, despite it being wildly successful, so it's still a market leader. It was still making thirty millions of dollars a year. But basically, what happened was Gygax had kind of gone off to Hollywood to try and make a film version of this, and they had um, oh god, not last day. Who's the actor? It's our director who directed Citizen Kane. Uh, George Orwell. No. Jo- no, no, it's not George Orwell. <laughs> not George Orwell. Why was that? Um, oh, I hate you now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this isn't good. I should know this. I should yeah, know yeah. This, um, this is a side note. He's it's not Charlton Heston. I don't know. Yeah, what he's you'd, you'd feel like if so. You should know. I'm very considering we are doing a a film podcast, Orson Welles. Yeah, there we go. Not um, George, I, you can see where I got George Orwell yeah, from. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Orson Welles was uh, meant to be in it to star. He's kind of working with us. But when he had gone off to Hollywood, he had left the Bloom brothers, so Kevin Bloom and his brother, in charge. He comes back when he finds out they're like $1.5 million in debt, despite making $30 million a year. I mean, the biggest company in doing this in the world, really. Um, and it turns out, he kind of goes back, he does a, a he looks through all the numbers and he tries to figure out how they can be in debt despite making so much money. And it turns out that Kevin Blue uh, spent too much money on company cars, he hires too many people, they overstock. Uh, but the single best waste of money they have was dredging up a 19th century shipwreck. <laughs> and I really appreciate that he was like, well, we got we got to dedicate some money to dredging <laughs> up a 19th century shipwreck. So anyway, that happens. He goes, look... And everyone's going, we've got to sell the company. He goes, no, Gygax goes, we can't sell the company. Instead, what we're going to do is I'm going to, we're going to publish an extra new adventure for Dungeons & Dragons, and I'll write a novel, and we'll sell it under the imprint, and it'll be fun. And actually, that works out pretty well. But unfortunately, he brings in Lorraine Williams, as company manager, to help run the company. And within like a year or two, she's bought all of Kevin's stock, she's bought all of Brian's stock, and she's become the majority shareholder. So she declares herself president and CEO and kicks him out of the company. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's the historical context of Dungeons & Dragons. Cool. So an interesting uh, game which starts off, you know, this kind of very small scale, back, back kind of bedroom type thing, which does become this monolith uh, in terms of 1980s culture. If you've ever watched something like uh, Stranger Things, There'll be lots of references to that there. Um, some three to five million kids were playing, I think, by the time of uh, 1982, when our TV show, Mazes and Monsters, 
is set. So, Jamie, why don't you tell us a wee bit about that show? Cool. Um, before I do that, I'm just going to mm. do a little review of your uh, your performance there. That's good. Uh, um, can I have stars? <laughs> are the gold stars? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so on actual, relevant, and accurate information, other than forgetting the name of Awesome Mouse, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, good. I'll, I'll give that a solid four stars. Way more relevant than Ooh. anything we've done before. Ooh. However, this is a comedy podcast. Okay. Oh, and you wow. spent, oh, 15 minutes probably it's a comedy doing a dry podcast. description of a nerdy game from the 80s. <laughs> Sorry, let me stop you for a second there. I told you about ciabatta, Jamie. I told you about ciabatta. And more importantly, what's more comical than ciabatta? Dredging up a 19th century shipwreck. I'm throwing you all these fastballs, Jamie, and you're just dropping them on the floor. Okay, That's right. how baseball works, right? <laughs> Yeah. He's throwing cash. Um, right, yeah, I'll give you a little context uh, for this. I've, mm. Unfortunately, my notes are not in the order they should be. Jamie, this uh, is very confusing. I, I, I want you to know that I'm I'm here for the comedy. And <laughs> if I don't laugh a certain amount, I'm not going to tell you that number. <laughs> you will be having a poor performance oh, oh, that's going to be real bad because, uh, yeah, the story that this, uh, this is TV is not funny at all. But we'll get to that. Um, so, as uh, you were saying, this is Mason Monsters. It's based on a book by the same name, and the writer is an associate producer on it. Uh, as you sort of alluded to, uh, this is at the height of like people being scared of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, and I'll give you a little bit more about that uh, later. But a little bit more on just this: the cast is all all the young people, super early in their career. Most go with them on to not do much other than Tom Hanks, mm. obviously. Wendy Crewson yeah. has a relatively successful acting career and is still working today in, yeah. in various uh, TV series. She's the uh, female lead, and there are two other guys, both really young in their career, didn't really do much. Uh, the older cast, weirdly, are full of really seasoned actors. Like, I'm talking people who have, like, 200 to 300 acting credits, all in, like, small to minor roles. Yeah. Just, like, jobbing actors, and just, this is another job for them, which is super interesting. Um, now, the director. The director, Stephen Hillardstern, is a very interesting case. He starts out doing a few small movies, maybe a couple episodes of TV shows here and there, uh, and he directs an episode of Logan's Run and Hawaii Five-O, and then in 1978, he finds his calling with TV movies. He filmed his, uh, directs his first TV movie, Escape from Brogan Country, in 1978. And from there, he doesn't stop. And oh boy, he is banging out, I'm talking three, four, five of these things a year. Mazes and Monsters is the end of a run of nine TV movies he directed in two years. Jeez. He is banging them out. One might say, which could sacrifice some quality. You don't generally see Qu Quentin Tarantino's releasing like nine movies over 25 years. Now, when we talk, but then again, but then could, could Quentin Tarantino knock out nine TV movies in two years? I don't think he could. So who's a better director? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't like that much of Quentin Tarantino's body of work, so... <laughs> Uh, let's call that a toss-up for now. <laughs> um, now, before I uh, go on to, to give a little bit of background to the story that this book... The story that the book that the movie is based on is based on. God, that's confusing. Um, I would like to give a Rotten Tomatoes reviewer uh, review of this. AJV says... A badly made movie with a confusing story and a silly plot. I'd say stay away from this one unless you're a huge Hanks fan. Now, Al... What are we but huge Hanks fans? So thank God we did not stay away from I this one. I do not know. When we pitched this idea for this podcast, 
I think we both thought we're going to watch some really top quality uh, movies and TV. Um, and instead, we've unexpectedly entered into the genre of uh, bad movie yeah. podcast. And <laughs> I, that wasn't my intent nope, at all. I was looking at all. forward to watching some good stuff. And well, yeah, you've been hyping. Uh, next week we're reviewing Splash. No, we're Come not. Yeah, no, yeah, we're not. No. It's Happy Days next week. No. no. Uh, fucking uh, family, ties. family Ties next week and then Splash so after that. So make sure you watch all four episodes of Family Ties in which Tom Hanks is in. <laughs> right, so let's go. Now, again, I did say this is a comedy podcast, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try and keep this funny, but the story that this is based on is let's, really Yeah, I know the story. Fun. Let's we'll, we'll, we'll do this bit with as much respect as possible and make some jokes. Yeah, um, so um, the book is based on, inspired by rather, the true story of James Dallas Egbert III. Now, great name. Uh, He goes missing in August 1979. At that point, some people at Gen Con 12, a tabletop gaming convention, said they might have seen him there. Yeah, yeah. From there, his parents hire a private investigator called William Deere. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I would call him the villain of our story. Uh, That's fair. (laughs) Knowing absolutely nothing about D&D, he just hypothesizes that, ah, it's just... Disappearance is probably related to D&D as some people saw him at the tabletop gaming convention and some students were reported to play live action versions of the game in the steam tunnels below the school. Now, this is actually a detail that then ends yes. up becoming quite relevant so, to the... One version I read yep. actually said they'd gone into the tunnels to map it out, but that they were just using that map so they could then play D&D with the maps. Not even that they were live action. Oh, okay. Games, but they had just done it for a, a fun extra detail. Interesting. So, yeah, this guy with no basis whatsoever, says, ah, it's maybe something to do with D&D. And then yeah. the media absolutely jumps on this and right, just so completely starts fear-mongering, yeah, like, yeah. children are killing themselves playing g and It's the same thing... Uh, sorry to button. It is the same thing with things like My Chemical Romance back in, like, 2009, yeah. when... Which is that there are kids who, unfortunately, will kill themselves and also enjoy... Um, anything really yeah. and as soon as someone thinks well that thing is slightly counterculture or, or not yeah. I mean not or difficult. like violent video games yes. since the beginning of time as in the exact same thing so all, all comic books yeah so what had happened was uh, James was and this is where we have to bring the tone down a little bit uh, he was depressed and hated his parents and addicted to drugs and he tried to commit suicide by going into the university steam tunnels and taking quaaludes uh, he fails and goes into hiding at a friend's house during the several weeks search he moves to two other houses before moving to New Orleans and then to Louisiana to work as an oil field labourer after four days he calls up uh, Deer the investigator tells him to come meet him but asks to conceal the truth of the story the prime investigator says yes, gives him to the release, releases him to custody of his uncle in 1979, uh, September 1979, so about a month after he disappeared. Um, he then does end up um, committing suicide a year later. Four years later after that, the investigator, again, the person who caused the frenzy by mentioning the theory, releases a book called The Dungeon Master, The Disappearance of James Dallas Egbert III, where he blames the media and shit, and like, the... He has the kid's face on the cover. Like, he's promised this kid, I'm not going to tell you a story. And also, he was the reason for the whole fuck up. And then he capitalized on that by releasing a book and having the kid's face on it. So that's why Mr. I've forgotten his first name. William Deere is an absolute prick. What did... um, So he wrote... His book was called The Dungeon Master. The Dungeon Master, The Disappearance of James Dallas Egbert III. There is another book called Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so Mazes, the Mazes and Monsters, 
So this is the the key thing about this. Yeah. Both the book Mazes and Monsters that the TV show is based on, uh, and the the TV movie uh, comes out in this period between the disappearance and the book coming out. So at the height of a frenzy, because all uh, as much as I think William Deere's a dick in the book, he does say it was not much to do with D&D, this is the real story, the media took this out of uh, hand and fear-mongered people. But that's where the context of this uh, book and then movie comes out. A context where people believe that a kid has committed suicide and there are other events like this around the country because they can't separate reality from from fiction and, and... you know, D&D is the devil, basically. And that's where this book comes out. And then a very hastily made movie. Um, now, before we move on uh, to... Oh, God. Okay. Before we move on to, to discussing this movie, um, Al, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, most uh, podcasts yeah. have uh, advertisements. Sure. Um, because, you know, podcasters need to eat. Are we going to um, start shilling Squarespace? No, no, what no. about no. a meat box? No, no, not, not quite yet. I want a yet. meat box. Come on. <laughs> um, I, wish, I wish we could, but unfortunately, as we're a fledgling podcast, we do not yet have advertisers. And that is why, at this point, I would like to introduce a segment, which may come back, may not, depending on how <laughs> awfully this goes, okay. called The Bit Where the Ads Would Be. Okay. I would request silence. Okay. This might be the worst decision I've ever made. If we get copyright... Shh. Thought I'd make ads for you, but no one wants us. Wrote some copy for Squarespace, now they didn't pay us. Even almost bought a mattress, and for Casper I'm thankful. Wish I could say thank you to Blue Apron, cause now I can cook shit. One sold me mattress, one sold me websites, and one sold me food. Now I'm so amazing, I've cooked and I've slept, but that's not what I see, so look what I got. Look what you sold me, and for that I say thank you. Ads, ads, thank you. Ads, ads, thank you. Ads, I'm so fucking grateful for my ads, thank you. Ads, ads, thank you. Ads, ads, thank you. Ads, and now I'm fucking done with this song. I would like to say thank you, Al, for, for being quiet, as I did request you to be. <laughs> I tried not to look you in the eyes while I did that, because you were very much trying to not laugh, to, to interrupt. So I, I, I do thank you for that. Um, and any thoughts? <laughs> um, I have an apology letter, which I guess you could read. Uh, it's not ready for this, but sure, why not? <laughs> what? Just now I was cruel, I was mean. I cruelly... <laughs> when did you write this? I wrote this in case you made fun of my moustache. <laughs> but it works this too. So okay, yeah, um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I didn't, I, for those 
uh, that you don't know Al has got a very silly moustache right dear Al just now I was cruel I was mean I cruelly looked to get a cheap laugh over loving you as a friend you see I'm jealous of your moustache not relevant at this point for I cannot grow one true uh, you have the magnificence of a young Tom Selleck or Billy Burke from those Twilight movies and your moustache's glory turned me mean I shall from here on out endeavour to be a better partner to you in every way possible I hate that I did to do that yours Jamie Loxton now, that that still has not responded to the the art I just created. That's true. I have never seen someone uh, so thirsty for that Squarespace money. <laughs> Now, I would, I'd, so I'd like to give a little bit more context uh, to that. So, obviously, Al, you know that I had my graduation yesterday. Yeah. Um, very big day. I graduated from drama school. Super important Yay! day in anyone's life. Woo! Like, you think, I was in my suit and everything. I was going, what was I doing on in the car on the way to my graduation? Writing that fucking song. And here's wow. proof. Al, can you confirm that the lyrics to this song are written on a scrumpled up bank statement? Yeah. Which is the only piece of paper we had in the car. <laughs> I am looking forward to next week's uh, song, which is I'm Bitter That I Don't Have Any of That Squarespace Money. <laughs> Look, so, um, so that was a segment that may return, may not, depending on how many bank statements I can find. Um, yeah, that was called so. the, the bit... <laughs> the the bit where the ads would be now maybe you enjoyed it and and I'd question why um, and probably you didn't and if you didn't that means you probably like share this share this around you know get us more popular so that we can have actual ads and I never Guys, have to do that again. what you all love is when you're on a podcast and they start going hi guys I've spent friends on Squarespace and you go wow skip 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 and they have to skip back once because you inevitably go 10 seconds over and you're like, mm, no, I'm okay. Um, I practiced that in the mirror this morning. That was you know prepared. What? It, it almost seemed spontaneous. Uh, <laughs> I was like, where is this music coming from, your soul? Um, oh, my God. I would like to also uh, highlight that some of those lines were just the actual lines from the song because I couldn't think of things to parody. So yeah, now I'm so amazing just in the song, but that's not what I see, so look what I got just in the song. Wow. Um, oh, God. If, if that keeps in the episode, because we haven't been pulled for copyright infringement, I No, be... I, we have parody law. It's fine. Sure. We also don't have lawyers to like <laughs> suggest that to big uh, Ariana Grande. Oh. Um, although I guess that's okay gorgeous. right I think I've calmed down now yeah. <laughs> should, um, we, should we talk about this sure let's talk about this <laughs> so I spilt tea on myself um, let's let's do a plot summary and we'll, we'll kind of chat about it as we go through I think because it's it's worth breaking down so mazes and monsters yeah uh, it opens <sighs> on a cold dark windy night by a cave yep a police officer is talking to the press and he's saying, well, all we know is that he was really into Dungeons and Dragons and that he's gone missing in the caves. And, well, you know, Dungeons... No, Mon- Mazes and Monsters. I'm going to do that about a thousand times. <laughs> yep. If I do it, let's forget about it. Uh, sometimes the people can be... It can make them forget the lines between reality and, and fiction and ooh, and you go, well, that's weird. Smash cut to the opening trailers. Six Not months trailers. earlier. Six months earlier. We also have a cool uh, car journey around New York for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, 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 intro, the, the intro sequence is just... Uh, a our young boy genius, um, JJ. JJ, who I learned from looking at the IMDb, his name is not the letters JJ, it's J-A-Y-J-A-Y. I have never seen that before. It's real dumb. That seems like you should definitely abbreviate that to JJ. Yeah. Um, 
is back home uh, temporarily. I think he's kind of on his summer break or whatever. He's just back for a weekend. Uh, his mum has done up his room. It looks a little bit like a psych ward. You go, yep. this is weird. It's all now, white. Everything's white. JJ's personality, let's make this clear now, is 90% carried by the hats he wears. Yes, so let's, let's talk about the hats, because this is really the first criticism I have. So the first time we see JJ, he is wearing... Uh, what could only be described as a German war officer's hat, yeah, like the one with one the like with the spike yeah. on top of it, um, which is you know a bit weird. Um, then next time we see him, I think he's wearing like a builder's hat. Yes. Um, he then subsequently wears eleven different hats in the first thirty minutes. Every time we see him, he's wearing a different hat. Uh, so firstly, let's discuss what's wrong with these eleven hats. They start out way, way too, too high. high. Yeah, it should Wait, be... they start out with a German war hat, and then like three hats in, he's just wearing a flat cap. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's where's the escalation? You've started way too high, and then you start coming down. That's weird. It's it's never it, really it, explained whether this no, is for comedy or, or for or that he's, So the kid is meant to be sixteen, so he's kind of like yeah. a boy genius going to college. Uh, he's a bit out of place. His mum is clearly very very wealthy. But uh, his, his mum doesn't really care that much about him. She's, she's like a, a doting mum, but one who's kind of um, seems to care more superficially about him than anything else. And he has a talking bird. Yep. Um, that, that's that again. That's about his entire personality. Um, is he meant to be a comic character? Is he not? We'll find out. Uh, elsewhere, we meet um, the our female character, who's played by uh, uh, Wendy, Wendy. Cruson. Yes. Uh, who do you know her character name? Let's call, we'll call her, her let's Wendy. Let's call her Wendy. <laughs> so Wendy is a righteous, uh, not even that righteous. She's just like a 1980s feminist um, yep. who doesn't really like most of the men at her school because they're chauvinists. And you know what, Wendy, you're right. You should have yep. better standards than yep. most of the men at your school. Yas queen. You should listen to your own advice later in this film, though. Um, so she's and she wants to be a writer, but she's got a writer's block. Her mom's like, you should use your imagination, and that's the single worst advice I've ever heard someone <laughs> give an author. It's like, why don't you use your imagination? Yeah. Uh, we also meet. Uh, let's call him Chuck. Because uh, <laughs> that I would like to call him Fred because he kind of looks like Fred from Scooby Doo. Sure, let's we'll go call him Fred. Fred. <laughs> and he has less personality than Fred from Scooby. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he kind of he wants to make video games, and his parents don't want him to. They want him to just be, be a, go to MIT and yeah. be a computer designer, right? Yeah, and it's it's a weird thing. So, yeah. and of all the families we've met so far, so far, uh, Fred's family are the worst. They're very like, no, we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, we then. Meet Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks in the back of his car. Now he's looking like a bad boy at this point. Yeah. You're like, ooh, he's dark and serious and sexy. And his parents in the front arguing, uh, having the single worst argument <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, which uh, it consists of the husband calling the wife a, a drunk. drunk, like Just really what, aggressively. What, I, what I'd like to discuss it is so he says in the car, "You've drunk too much." Now, they're driving their son to college, so there are two options here. Yeah. Either she got real drunk before doing that, in which case he would have known why he's bringing it up halfway through the driving, or she's been drinking, like, necking glasses of wine in the car. Yeah, uh, and I prefer to think it's the second of the two, because that would be much more comical, although this film is... It's not a comedy. Um... They also, and they're kind of a semi-important plot point, they go to Tom Hanks and they say, look, you need to focus on your studies this year. He's transferring across from a different college, I think. Yep. And they say, you need to stay away from that mazes and monsters game, son. You need to stay away from them. And uh, he goes, sure, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll study him. I'll be good. So they're um, going to go into college. 
there's a new hat on young JJ. Yeah. He, he's got a different hat this time. I think it was. He also had a um, Biggles scarf. He was dressed as a kind of, again, pilot from 1980. Yep. Not 1980s, 1940s. Um, which, sure, why not? And he's put up a new thing. He JJ is friends with Wendy and Fred, and they play uh, Amazing, Amazing the Monsters. Monsters together, and they need a fourth player. Yeah, um, and only- so Tom sees that, and JJ comes over and goes, you should play, and he's like, no, I couldn't. No, I couldn't my, 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 I'm not going to. I used to play, but I couldn't, I swear. Yeah. Ah. But it turns um. <laughs> out Tom was a level nine. Oh, well, that's not revealed until later. Well, When he's discussing it at the party with Wendy, yes. when he realises that his, That's the way it, it could heart. get him to fuck. Yeah. Uh, entirely, he's he's trying to get down dirty with Wendy, and and uh, the way to do that is me. I'm level slip. nine at Mazes and Monsters. And now this makes it sound a little bit like Mazes and Monsters in Scientology. And you know what? It could well be. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in this this world's yeah. depiction of it, yeah. So. When he finds out, she's like, JJ, come over here. Why don't we get this guy in? He's like, no, 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 no. He's going to get his press gang into joining the yep. team. Um, his character is a monk. Yep. Who uh, deals magic and justice. Yep. Um, and then the other guys have characters. At this point, Fred is the dungeon master or whatever they call it. Um, and they master. go into a... They well, like they like go, oh, we're about to play. And then it cuts away. And suddenly we get a montage of Tom Hanks and Wendy... Falling in love. Yes. It, it comes out of nowhere. It's yeah. real quick. Um, well, that's the thing. So, I think both Jamie and I went in expecting this to be a little bit like, you know, you're alone. I think we thought it was going to be... So like, bad it's good. So bad it's good, right? It's going to be this kind of genre movie, but it's going to commit so hard to the tropes that it will be funny no matter what. Yeah. And actually, part of the issue, and I, I've had with it at least was that it, it just goes all over the yeah. place in terms of tone. Yeah. The, the pacing is so weird. Like, it's it seems like they're making jokes, but they're not. not. Yeah. Because that thing, if you take the hat thing as an example, and we talked about it. Yeah, this. so can, let's let's fully break down this hat. He wears 11 different hats in the first 30, 30 minutes. minutes. We, and again, no escalation there, so fine, that could be a poor... Sure. Poor so, execution. So what of a you're joke. saying is you like to start, start you want like a flat cap to start yeah, with, and then finish, finish with German or even military. Or hat. I think I suggested when we were watching, or even the kind of uh, in Spaceballs, the giant Darth Vader yeah. helmet, which is so massive, it just gets bigger and bigger. That so, but that could be like a poor execution of a joke. Sure, I could give it. But then the middle thirty minutes, he doesn't wear any hats at all. Yes. he just stops wearing hats. It's never explained why he just stops wearing them. Then the last thirty minutes, he starts wearing hats again. But they are not new hats. They're the some, of, hats, there's yeah. some of the hats. I've counted. He used 11 in the first 30 minutes, none in the middle 30 minutes, and they used four in the last 30 minutes, but all those four were once he used in the first 30 minutes. What is the point of these fucking hats, Al? I don't know. Oh. Now, so this is on uh, Amazon Prime, where you can watch this if you have Amazon Oh, yeah, Prime. that's a fun thing. This is the first thing we've watched legally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and again, people, please uh, put your old TV shows on uh, platforms we can watch them legally. Uh, because we will. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Happy Days may have been able to watch. Yeah, if we bought it. <laughs> I, I, I would have, I we could, but anyway. Um, for the most part, most Look, of we don't I have will, ads out. We don't have a budget. That's true. Uh, <laughs> if you want to support us, uh, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> um, or, you know, just throw money at my face when you see me. Um, Maybe it will get rid of that stupid mustache. <laughs> just just by abrasion. Yeah. Just throw money at you and it will slowly shave away the but mustache. But it is, it is down as a um, fantasy thriller. Yeah. And you would not know that from the first 30 minutes. Nope. And in fact... Although when you saw it, you saw the Tom Hanks character, and you correctly called, you went, he's going to be 
I think you said the villain, the I, villain. but but at the very least the guy who goes off off the, the rails. deep end, right? right? Yeah. And but in the first after that, you think, well, he seems perfectly normal. Yeah. And the person who seems to be going crazy is, is JJ. JJ. So let's discuss. So after the weirdest yeah. scene in the entire yeah. film. So after um, Wendy and and Tom fall in love, JJ goes over to to Tom's. Thanks. Um, goes over to Tom's uh, dorm and is like, "Hey, are we still playing?" Mazes and Mons. He, I, I don't, <laughs> don't think the actor actually misses accidentally about to say D and D. Um, it goes, oh, can we play Mazes and Monsters on, on Wednesday? And Tom is like, ah, sorry, mate, I don't think we actually can. But we're like, we could play Thursday. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, real, real, not big deal. Like, yeah, very, and he's quite kind about it. Yeah. And uh, JJ then goes back to his room and clearly talks just. To- Talks to his parrot, clearly just despondent yes. that his friends have said they couldn't hang out on Wednesday, Take, but they yeah. could on Thursday. And he also then says, well, maybe the weirdest line in the entire yes, film, so, where he basically goes, uh, no one at this university has ever committed suicide. The person who did would be famous forever. Yeah, so firstly... That's a weird stat to pull out. No one at this university has ever committed suicide. Who's tracking that stat? Are they bragging about it? Yes. Are they putting it on their brochures? You know, Zero suicides you know since 1642. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Where they have the kind of uh, <laughs> like a power plant and it's like how many no, days, days since suicide? <laughs> and it's just like just 10, constantly ticking one. over. And they're like, yeah, and he's, take, he's thinking, oh, university. I can turn that down to zero. And it's, uh, look, obviously we're not. Make it, if you have depression, please go out and get help. Uh, or if you, whatever, if you are considering suicide, please go get some help. But this film does not take this at all seriously. <laughs> no, no, so no. We won't either. No, no, this not at all. Turns out the rest of the film completely fine. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He not just like, not depressed at all. Yeah, it's just like, oh, maybe I should go commit suicide. Again, I'm weirdly related to the James Dallas Egbert story because he goes to do it in the, the, cave. the caves. But when he gets there, he's like, oh my God. This would make a great Mazes and Monsters map. Yeah. Guess everything's fine now. It's also, uh, I think we missed out what may be my f- favourite bit of the game, which is, no, not the game, kind of like earlier on in the film, uh, which is what prompts him to, part of also what prompts him to be kind of depressed was um, he's playing Mazes and Monsters and uh, his character, there's a big pit and his character just jumps in the pit and, the, and he's going to give it like a couple chances to save and he dies. And he goes off in the deep end when it comes to, like, his reaction to his game master. His game master's like, oh, really sorry. Uh, Tom Hanks, can you save him? Have you got, like, a resurrection throw canoe? He's like, oh, not got enough points. And, then, you know, the dungeon master goes, like, cool, well, you know, the next the next game we'll roll you a new character. You can just play someone else. And he goes, there's no point. There's no point. And that's what motivates him in part to... Do, do you think he went to the cave to kill himself? The first yeah. time he goes. Yeah, that's what he says. Look, if we're taking him at his word, (laughs) he says, I'm going to kill myself so I become famous, and then he goes to the caves. And where there is a giant pit as well, so it looks like he's going to throw himself in the pit as his character did. Yeah. but no, instead... He he, he, suge- he pitches the new game of Mazes and Monsters where he's the dungeon master and he's going to take them down to the caves. Yeah. Uh, he takes them down to the caves and it's... He weirdly... He, sti- a, he, he, he gets, a, he gets skeleton. a skeleton off, like, a professor or, like, a TA or someone mm. um, who's, I think, the only non-white person in this film. Um, 
and he gets that skeleton, takes it down to the caves, and he's like, oh, you guys can all go in here. And then they all split up because they're dum-dums, and he's talking to them through the caves somehow. It doesn't make sense. So this they, game, so it's gone from like a, role, a tabletop role-playing game to like LARPing. LARPing, basically. basically. But with with like D&D rules, rules. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, like people be rolling yeah. to fight. They run into the skeleton. Oh, it's all scary. It's not that scary. Then they all spit up. Tom Hanks ends up having a hallucination and sees like a wolf monster Minotaur type thing, thing yeah. um, and, and tries to stab it. Um, and then... And, that, that's, and that's, that's the it. beginning of the decline for Tom Hanks. Yes. So at that point, Tom Hanks is... He's crossed the Rubicon. He's... Uh, if he's schizophrenic, yeah. I'm not sure what he's, and where he is. His grip on reality has yeah. gone. And uh, when they leave this cave comes my favourite line in the film, uh, which is when they're all joking and laughing. They're all like literally just going, ha ha, oh, it's all great, that was so much fun, oh my God. And then cut to Wendy. All of them have suddenly stopped laughing and she goes, maybe the most frightening monsters are the ones that exist in our minds. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere. Because it's, it's, not... a, it's a thriller fantasy journey. Yeah, but, like, but like, the delivery of the line is so like cheesy and yeah. like so over the top and it comes... So hard left turn after they've all been joking and giggling. Yeah, um, it's, it's because again, this film doesn't understand. It doesn't know what it's trying to pitch this at. No. It doesn't know if it wants this early bit to be funner, so the later stuff is tougher or whatever. Yeah. But they go back home. Uh, they continue Let's, playing the I, game. I, 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 can we just rush through this? <laughs> sure. Um, so basically, Tom Hanks has a vision from someone who's saying, yeah. "Hey." And we, I, also I, I, out, so we also find out importantly that Tom Hanks' older brother. Uh, disappeared. disappeared about a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I think I, it's never really made clear, but thinking back on it, I think the hallucinations, like visions he's having while he's dreaming, while he's having oh, his yeah. nightmares, are his brother yes. speaking to him. But they are using Tom Hanks' yes. voice, which is kind of Yes, confusing. it's very weird. And he's seen this big dark tunnel, and uh, the, the, basically the guy in the voice says, Hey, you need to dedicate yourself to the game. You need to go find uh, the Great Hall at the, at the Two Towers. Yeah, so he, goes, he okay, starts sure. drawing maps. He's he pretends breaks he's... Up his girlfriend. Which I didn't... So I read this in the plot summary, because it, it wasn't clear in the film. But So he starts dedicating his life as Pardue the sure. monk. And so the reason he breaks up with her is because he has to be celibate. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get that at all. No, I did. That's what he says later on. Like he, She goes, don't you love me anymore? And he goes, I still love you. I just can't touch you. And yeah, I didn't. I didn't weird, get that. I just thought it was weird. weird. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's because um, he's a monk. He has to be celibate. And yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, he goes to a party. He goes as Pudgy the monk. Everyone's a bit. All, Wait, all it's a Halloween. It's a Halloween party, so, so everyone's dressed up, and he's like dressed as a monk. So yeah, he does, it's, it's not the weirdest thing in the world. Um, by this point, JJ has stopped wearing hats. Yeah, I thought that was meant to be because he's gained in confidence. So having been a bit kid like at the beginning, he's done the stuff as the game master. His confidence has gone up. But then he why does he hat. start wearing them again in the but, last 30 minutes out? he goes off on a rampage through New York and he's uh, lost his confidence again. Wow, so, spoilers, Al. Ah, it's fine. So, um, yeah, basically, so, uh, Pardue he, ends up running away. Way. He ends up... How does he end up in New York? So, basically... So, uh, he, uh, we don't know. So he he just act, ends up in New York. He has no money because explicitly he leaves his wallet yeah. and all his stuff in his dorm room. But somehow, and they're kind of meant to be like upstate New York, I think. Yeah. He somehow ends up in Manhattan and the friends are all confused and they don't know where he's gone. And they think, and we don't know this until later, but they think that he's killed himself yeah. or and he's done it in the caves. So they go to the police. They tell the police, hey, our friend's gone and we think maybe he's in the cave and then he goes they'll go why and they go uh we don't want to be held responsible for this so we're not going to tell you the police go looking they can't find the body um but the police also say that they think this might be a murder that they think that someone may have killed him now had they followed that plot thread 
more, that would have been really interesting. Like, I think that would have been more of a thrill of, what if one of these guys did actually kill him? Yeah. Um, but instead, they want to go harder on the actual on the Dungeons and Dragons is terrible and it causes people to have psychotic breaks sure and what was interesting was early on when we were watching it Jamie had said this actually has it's quite a good representation of people playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah they at least got like their rules right and stuff in the early games the early dynamic seems like fairly correct correct and it doesn't seem crazy no one seems dangerous until this complete psychotic break from reality and you're just going there, and it's all just complete nonsense. It, it is almost a shot for shot of what the, that kind of the story is of what happens to that kid, although not the reality. Yeah. Um, they have this map. They keep trying to figure out what what are the two towers? New yes. York, the two towers. So no, New so York. they find they find out he's in New York, New York because he has a psychotic break where he gets mugged. And ends up stabbing, stabbing a dude, someone. like full on stabbing a dude because he thought he was the monster. Like, the monster. Um, he kind of slashes his stomach. The guy gets back up, so we assume he's not dead. We assume he's not dead. But, but it, also, he doesn't really react much when Tom Hanks pulls out a knife. They're like yeah, trying yeah, to bug yeah, this yeah. dude, and, and then Tom Hanks pulls out, pulls out a knife, switch blade, and like starts <laughs> flailing it around, and he just chills. He's like, ah, oh, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's fine. And he gets stabbed, um, and that gives him the blood on the knife. Gives him enough of a like reality check to call. Out of it. Yeah, he calls Wendy, um, and it's like, I'm in New York. She says, go to J something. Go to JJ's house. Oh, is it JJ's house? Yeah, he goes oh, to his okay. house. Um, we have forgotten to mention this point. After Wendy and, Jay- and Tom Hanks break <laughs> yeah. up, Wendy then, for some reason, and this actually doesn't make any sense at all, goes into the caves. Don't know why. Oh, no, no, no. Meets. So she she sees yeah. uh, Fred, as we're calling him, yeah. um, like riding by on a bike. Oh, Like right. speeding past. And then go. she goes, follows him. They end up going in the caves. Um, he says, "I'm going in. I was going in the caves to try and cheat at the game." Basically, yeah, he was trying to figure out because the aim of their game was to find this treasure buried in the caves. Yes, yeah. um, and so they fall in love in the caves. Basically, the little yeah, little flirty. Yeah, basically, she starts going on with Fred after she's been dumped by and Tom. Look again. Everyone should feel free to date whoever they want. But can I just recommend that you, in a friendship group of four people, you do not date two of <laughs> two those of the, people yeah. within a six-month period. Uh, of, of whom they're the only two you are legally allowed yes, one to date. 16. One of, you are literally just dating everyone you are legally yeah. allowed to date it in is, this friend It group. is my only piece of dating advice I will ever give. Don't date one of your friends. <laughs> Don't. Just so anyone um, else. So yeah, um, they're now like hooking up or whatever. So they go to New York, York. and as you were saying, they're trying they, to figure out the, the two, two towers, towers, New York. York. Where could he possibly? Oh, New York, and then nineteen eighties. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, what's a major bit of the skyline of New York yeah. in nineteen eighties with two towers? Oh, I can't think of it. Yeah, he's not at JJ's house. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, they literally treat it like it's a big revelation. Like JJ goes, "Wait, what if the two towers isn't a person?" Yeah. It's the two towers. It's the twin towers. It's the World Trade Center, and they go, "Oh well, we should do that together." Yeah. So, so some, they also somehow they get the budget to film in the World Trade Center. Yeah, which, so that's crazy. Uh, also, we kind of recognise earlier on. So the Great Hall was uh, uh, was Tom his Hanks brother. brother. Yeah, because um, his name was Hall, and we who everyone assumes is dead. Um, yeah, he's gone missing, but he's, he's just not come back. So they think he's killed himself. Um, during this time, so while they're racing towards the twin towers. Um, Tom Hanks is in the subway system. Uh, he's he's gone back into his fugue state. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he meets a homeless man. The homeless man's like uh, tells him how to get to the two towers. Uh, yep. He also thinks that the 
train is a dragon. That was weird. Yeah. They end up in the World Trade Center. It actually, what for me, was maybe the most upsetting bit of this film. I, I actually found that quite upsetting. I'd never seen anything really shot in the World Trade Center. Oh, uh, yeah. I think the closest I got into was the Simpsons episode. There's a Simpsons episode where they're in New York and there's a plotline where Homer's car is... Uh, gets kind of dumped in the middle of the world. Yeah, it is one of those odd things, like and just any movie made before 2001, which can even have it in the skyline. Yes. It's just It's one of those odd things of history now to look back on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so somehow they got uh, to film in the World Trade Center. They have a literal cat and mouse chase through the World Trade Center where like multiple times they're like, oh my God, there he is. Quick, go get him. Oh, well, he's not here anymore. Oh, there he is. He's Quick, go get him. And he get, goes on the roof. Now, at this point, I would like oh. to recommend that anyone goes on YouTube and searches Tom Hanks best ever scene because it is this scene where he is on the roof um and they go over to him and they say what are you doing and he's like i'm gonna find the great hall or something like that and they go but you can't you'll die and he goes i have no i have spells spells. i'll fly in the and then jj oh jj biggest genius ever he just goes no i am the game master you cannot do that and tom hanks in oh some very very questionable acting um goes like game 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 and then they go yes it's a game and then he's like he's like full-on bursts into tears like really not very well it's so it at this point if you have ever questioned your artistic ability or you thought i can't make it my stuff's not good enough i'm not a good enough artist i want you to watch that Again, and then remember YouTube, that Tom Hanks best ever yeah. seen. And then That's remember the called. fact that Tom Hanks would go on to win the Academy Award for Best Actor. Yeah, and you too can achieve your artistic yeah. intent and get better at your craft by doing yeah. it. So to discuss, to, to you know, to, no, no, to actually oh, yeah. proper. We'll fi- we'll finish off. Sure. The, this is very near the end of the film, but just to discuss this moment and actually, you know, do some film criticism. Actually, you know, critical thought that this uh, podcast is supposed to be. I think it's very clear at this point of Tom Hanks's career that he is still a comedy actor. Like, this is a comedy actor that has been thrust into a dramatic role that he isn't prepared for, and he's not particularly... It's combined with not particularly well-directed, the pacing is bad, it's not well-shot, it's not well-written, but, like, he... Like, no matter what, that moment, it can can be played better. And he is a comedy actor that has not figured out dramatic chops yet yeah I think it's fair like obviously he's done some stage work beforehand I don't know too much about that but regardless like because there are we'll thanks for talk about that a bit but well, there are bits in this film where actually he's dramatically quite good yeah and I I'm not sure whether it's just like it was just an incredibly poor performance and it was but it shouldn't have made the final cut like no it, it was a, it the was director a, bad, it gone, was a bad take it was a bad take so they should, <laughs> the director should have gone well, this is weird. Let's do well, it again. Maybe they just didn't have that long to film on sure. the roof of the World Trade Center. That's fair, that's fair. So to get to so, the end of this film, um, they they save him. He goes back to live with his parents. They go to visit him and his parents, and um, they're everyone like, is, ah, "Yeah, he's doing better. Oh, it's all nice." Oh, blah, blah, blah. And they go to find him in the garden, and they go, "I think I remembered his name's Robbie." Yeah, Robbie. Yeah. So they go like, "Hey, Robbie," and he's like, "What? Mm. Who's Robbie? I'm Pardew." Wah, he's not broken out of the psychotic break. Blah, 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 blah. He's not dangerous to himself, but he's, he's definitely lost. He's yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of like a... 
like a one floor of the cuckoo's nest sort of like yeah. dude just in asylum mm. just like living in his own fantasy and, it, and it's sad because the rest of them they've all sort of given up the game so they, 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 it sort of ends with he goes well over in the forest there might be some magic and they go okay we'll go do yeah it, it's actually a time. relatively sweet moment it, they have it, yes for, for some reason despite this film never having any voiceovers sure. Wendy has a voiceover at the yeah. end and she's just like well, but, so we played one last time together but also because something they kind of set up is, is I think in their own uh, personal lives, they've, they've kind of given up D&D. &D, yeah. And in doing so, they've actually achieved some of their things. So um, JJ seems to be more confident. He's, he's, he's more outgoing guy. Um, Wendy is uh, has written a book. So at the beginning, obviously, she says, I want to write, but I can't write. She's written a book about this. I think it might even be published. Um, but And uh, Fred has... Fred, who, again, if you've listened to this... Uh, nothing to do the entire film. Yeah, no, but he, uh, he, yeah, he just kind of like makes out with Wendy. That's he about it. He makes out with him and then kind of goes places and looks stuff. Um, has has gone into computer programming. Yeah. Um, so they all go off one last time and they say that was the yeah, last time. Yeah, it's kind of sweet. And that's that's the end of the film. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 go into our like let's talk about it then. I'm having yeah. recount the inter. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about it, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. But what I mean is. It's, it's so I would like to say that I got I was so excited to watch you were. this. I was so, cuz it looked so terrible. And the sad thing is it wasn't that terrible. It was fine. It what 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 annoyed me most about this and and I've been thinking about this is it was two degrees from being a good film in either direction. Sure. I actually think the story itself ignoring the fear-mongering of of D&D &D, yeah. actually could be an interesting dramatic story if it were better paced and slightly better written sure alternatively this could be an amazing comedy this is like two degrees from an amazing old comedy even less than two degrees from yeah it's, it's like, like the what, hat thing it's, it's, is yeah. so close like and it hits so many tropes about like just shoot this yeah. slightly more overtly that it's trying to make jokes and this could be a, an incredible comedy. So that's mm. what really annoys me about this film, is it is so close to being a good film, whether comedic or dramatic, and it's just not. And it's bloody infuriating, considering that's I was fair. so excited for this terrible film. Um, yeah, it. I think for me, I, I, I'm a little less generous to it. I, so if there is a such a thing as a good, bad film, so where the film's flaws actually make it more enjoyable. So something like The Room, for instance. This is a, like, it's technically well-made, right? Like, it, 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 in the sense of, like, it's competently put together. Yeah. It's not brilliant, but, like, you know, they've all shot it. it, it everything makes sense continuity-wise. On that aspect of it, technically. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> That's like, a real low bar to jump there. No, 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 yeah. but, but, yeah, but uh, there are many bad, good, bad films in which, which they're not those things, and actually that cheesiness makes it better. Um... But I, I, I just think it was. I, I didn't like this, and I, I, I hate, I dislike just slamming something people put, obviously put work into. But it is it again. Is a bad, it's a bad. It's film. a TV it's, movie that the director it was the yeah, it was the ninth of two years. I don't think that much work was put uh, uh, into okay, this. That's, that's fair enough. I, I think my issue with our, with its are totally all over the place. Yeah, the script, and we haven't even talked about the script, is just. Again, feels like someone had a week and a half, and they were told, "Hey, here's this book. Make this book into a TV movie," and it touches on so many terrible stereotypes 
about Dungeons and Dragons. That again, had it been either more of a thriller or more of a comedy, would at least be slightly less. Yeah. And actually, the kind of description of this as a fantasy thriller, I think, is wrong. It's a drama. It's yeah, a, basically. No one, there's no thrilling in it. No one dies. No, and, it's not, and, and the fantasy is very light. Yeah, there's about two scenes where there's someone in a monster costume. So it's a psychodrama about this kid who's having a break from reality. It's just not worth your time. Most of these other things... So, so again, something like... You know, you're alone. I put the hangs back because I genuinely believe if you watch that on Halloween with a couple of beers, you'll have a good time. And if the aliens from space... We forgot to mention them in this episode. <laughs> oh, shit! But yeah. if the space aliens watch that and we'd be like, hey, human beings, we can find enjoyment out of trash. I think that's a good thing. So I would not want to put this in front of aliens because they'd be like... Well, I mean, should we, cla- should we clarify what you mean? By the end, sure, for yeah. any new uh, listeners to this uh, podcast, the weird conceit to the show is aliens have invaded, and uh, we need to prove ourselves to them by showing our greatest human to join the United States of space. space. So we have decided Tom Hanks is our greatest human, and we're collecting his works, but we can't show them all of his works. So we are collecting the Hanks Bank, which is all the best stuff of his works, yeah. to show to the aliens to prove our work to them. That description gets more vague and convoluted every time I give it. Uh, I think it's good. I, I was I was with a, I was with a friend yesterday at graduation, and she described it in about a sentence and a half. And I don't know how she did it. I don't. She was so concise; it was incredible. Um, yeah. So in in general, uh, it's it's just not like there's nothing. There is no there is no quality in this. Where I'd even be like, it's a Sunday, and you've you've just had your teeth taken out. And they've given you some really hardcore medication. And anything you watch is going to be trippy as shit. I wouldn't recommend you watch no. this. Because there is just nothing in it which is really very enjoyable. I was fully expecting. We had a couple of beers. We are sitting down. I thought we are going to laugh. It would be a good time. Or maybe even it could be a thriller. It could have been, I guess. But there was nothing in it. And I feel bad. But Right. Shall we, shall we get to our ratings? Yeah, sure. So, rate this film out of five. What's the lowest I've given so far? Like a one? I, th- I think we've said you can go down to zero. I don't know what's the lowest you've given. I'll give it a one. Cool. Um, I feel bad. Sorry, people making it, but no. 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 But I um, don't care. I, th- I think for the first time we are just going to have to agree. I think it's the only time yeah. we've ever had two. I'd, I'm giving it a one. Like I said, it, it just makes me angry because I was so excited for it. And yeah. it's so close to being a, like I, a good bad movie or a, or a good movie yeah. or a good comedy. It's so I close, mean, but it's just Dear not. listeners, to give you some context, pretty much since we started, Jamie had gone through the IMDb and this was the first thing he was excited about. Yeah. And that's why I feel quite bad is because the look of disappointment on his face is like you told a kid you're getting him a puppy and they were like yes and they go downstairs on their birthday and they open the box and it's a stuffed puppy except it's a stuffed cat I imagine my levels of disappointment are the same as our listeners when they listened to my parody song earlier because (laughs) clearly they had such high hopes for it. You've been talking about this for two or three days. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't. It was was good. I liked it. Oh my God. (laughs) It was good, but also not worth the level of hype it had. (laughs) I I don't think I hyped it that much. I just said, I just warned you that there was going to be a segment and to not interrupt me. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. Um, um, Tom Hanks out of five. So this is where it gets slightly more complicated. The the single redeeming thing of this movie 
is that scene with Tom Hanks on the World Trade Center. No, but it's bad act. It's uh, real uh, bad. uh, But then it becomes so bad it's good because I laughed. (laughs) Oh no, oh no, we burst out laughing. That was the one like actual genuine emotion this film got for me was when that happened, I'm like, this is hilarious. That was so So that's redeeming, but if we if we're saying this is a scale that in my head something like Captain Phillips is up at the five end, this is at the bottom end, I think, of what Tom Hanks. And that's that's both we're only six episodes in, so I'm I'm slightly nervous of saying that. But I think this is like but a I mean, zero. Like Oh you're giving it zero! I, Holy shit! I, I no but like because I think if, if I if we ever Mr. Tom Hanks, if you're listening, I don't think you are, but if we ever sat down with Tom Hanks and we said What's your, worst, what's your worst performance? Or if we brought up Amazing Monsters, I think he'd be really embarrassed by it. You know when they always talk about actors hating watching themselves? I imagine sticking Tom Hanks in a in a room with nothing else to do but watch Amazing Monsters on loop would be torture for him. <laughs> um, Brutal. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, there, has, there has to be a bottom end. Yeah, to, yeah. There has to be a bottom end, and that's um, the bottom. I, I mean, think, I hope. I, I mean, I'm, I'm rather than taking it as a scale of Tom Hanks performances, I'm taking it as a scale of acting performances. And sure. you know, he remembered his lines. <laughs> he, never, he never looked down the true. lens. <laughs> um, and I think there was so we the the phone call that uh, he makes back to them yeah. was like relatively okay acting. Okay. I quite enjoyed it. Tonally, completely out of place for the film. But like, if it were in tone sure, with the film, sure. that would be a good acting for a breakdown. The yeah, later breakdown, right. way worse. So I think I'm gonna give him a one point five. Right, I'm gonna actually change my score to a point five. No, no, uh, I, w- I no, you have it. to keep a zero because that's okay. hilarious. I'm keep it zero. <laughs> um, um, but I'm gonna sorry, give him one point five. Um, that's just on the scale of your performance. Yeah. No um, and now we've got the Tom Hanks dick meter, which I think is an interesting one for this one because yeah. he's obviously like. Not he's even, even okay. He murders someone, or at least stabs them and causes them severe injury. So he's but dick. he's but he's having a psychotic break he's at the time, Ill. and like even when he's having the psychotic break, he's not really a dick. So like in, okay. in in the terms that we've he, seen him play dicks in other. He's not well. If anything, you you're trying to. The role is based on you sympathising towards the character. Yeah, I'd I'd probably give this a zero on the dick meter. Like. I know he stabbed someone, but yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm gonna have to. The give guy him, stabbing. I think I'm gonna have him. to give him a one for stabbing someone. Sure. Like, uh, I mean, it was I, 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 I wouldn't. It wasn't self defense. I he wasn't going around to be like stabby, stabby, <laughs> stabby, stabby. Which brings us on to uh, uh, before we get there. Uh, what would Tom Hanks? No, think? please, no. This episode is so long already. Please, uh, Jamie. Uh, this is the segment where we ask ourselves and the listeners. What would Tom Hanks in this film do in any given situation? Um, so, Jamie, uh, if Tom Hanks in this film was at your university uh, graduation yesterday, what would he do? Probably fucking stab me. And I'd be glad he did, because I wouldn't have to do this goddamn segment. Great. Uh, so, Jamie, does this go your Hanks bank or not? No! I'm not, I'm not even buying into it. I know you're not putting it in. I'm not buying into you doing a long pause this I'd time. I'd just like to be asked the question, Jamie. <laughs> I would just like to be asked the okay. question. Okay. Oh, whoa. Okay. Holy fuck. Every week I ask you, what's your rating out of thing of this? And then I do mine. You never ask me that shit. What the fuck? What I is just this did. shit? What I just did. Yeah, the first, so time, you, the the first time you do it, you're like, why is this bitch not asking me the question? I've never seen such brain. Reason rudeness in my life. Oh my 
God, is this going in your hang spank? Here's an apology letter for you to read, <laughs> I am not reading that. No, it's not going in my hang spank. Good, right. Uh, uh, I swear, this podcast deteriorates oh, yeah, at the yeah, end yeah, every yeah, single entirely. time. Um, um, so, to our listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening to us. Um, we've This is kind of the first couple of weeks we've been recording uh, since the podcast is coming out. And yep. it's great to see so many of you listening, which is great. Um, follow us on Twitter at HanksBankPod. You can follow if, me at Amy Jamie Amy P. Loxton. What's my name? Wow. Uh, Jamie, Jamie P. Loxton. Uh, you can follow Al at Al underscore C's underscore stuff. If you have any friends, uh, please take their phones, go onto their podcast subscriptions, and just subscribe us, and then download all the first. How many episodes now? Six, five? This is episode six. So download them all so your friends will have something to fun to listen to when they're on the train or I don't know when they're trying to go to sleep and want to listen to two guys talking about some quality Tom Hanks films. I'm winking there, but you can't see. Uh, uh, ruining their friendship in the process. Uh, it's fine. Get those numbers up. Uh, um, if you know any advertisers... Uh, <laughs> please, please beg them. Make the, play them that clip of me singing that song and say, if you don't want this pain in the world... To any advertiser. Uh, Jamie will write you a song and sing it every week if you pay us money. Um, Honestly, I probably would. Yeah, true. Uh, so that's, rate and review us on iTunes, all that bollocks. Um, and I think that's us. Yeah. Um, from so I guess that's Hanks for listening. No, bad. We can't even. We know that there's another podcast called that. Oh, Hanks for listening. Yeah, don't bring that up. <laughs> we can't plug other podcasts as our sign off. Um. Are, are we talking? No. no okay, like- so now we have to think of a sign. I feel like you've been saying good night at the oh, end okay. of a few episodes. So from us, that's good night. <laughs>